Hi, I'm Nicole Webb from the Impact Agency and welcome to our podcast, Impact Insights. This podcast has been recorded a little bit differently. We've had a chat to our staff about the year that was and we hope you enjoy it. So this, this is going to be our last podcast for the year and what a year it has been. So what we thought we would do today is actually talk to a few of our staff about some things that have gone on during 2022 and have a little bit of a discussion around that. But what I would do is I thought I'd start with you, Fry, and ask you a couple of questions and then I'll give you my two cents worth. And then we can um, dial in the very lovely producer of ours, Leah, is going to dial in our team one at a time and we're going to grill them. (laughs) And get is that what we're doing? Are I we mean, sure, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to pick their brains, get their perspectives, and maybe grill them if you know we feel like having a roast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no grilling ever done in, in the impact, so it's 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 not on brand. But um, I thought we'd start with um, standout news item from 2022 and why, Fry. What was your standout? This news is a item? really tricky one when we you know, first started talking about the things we wanted to focus on in our end of year wrap. I thought, gosh, where do I even begin? Um, Which I know is most years, but I really feel like a lot has happened this year on a significant scale. But the one that I couldn't stop thinking about and has been pretty enduring all year has been floods in Australia, other parts of the world as well. But Obviously, the domestic floods are very close to home uh, on the eastern seaboard. They've been devastating. And it has really felt for me like the polar opposite end of days feeling polar opposite uh, in that it's lots and lots of rain and lots of moisture. But that end of days feeling we had during the bushfires when our country was on fire Um, and just Mm. seeing so many people um, displaced and some people, their homes were flooded three times this year and they're just going to have to pack up and leave. And that'd be the floods that are one in a hundred years. Yeah. Or one every couple of months. Yeah. yeah, Just (laughs) the environmental, the economic, the social, the human impact, all of those things have been really significant and long lasting. And I think there's been a shift in narrative, as you said, from that one in a hundred year, um, line that we used to always say when something was devastating like this to actually these events are going to be pretty consistent and probably quite frequent because climate crisis is already upon us. So I think that that's been um, definitely in front of my mind and in my news feed uh, all year, stand out for me. No, for sure. It's been, it's been a massive year, hasn't it? Um, I, I, was thinking the the queen i'm not a monarchist and it might be how i'm feeling in december that i'm so bloody tired but it was her stamina mm. that um i is i'm still in awe of she was 96 she reigned for 70 years who was in a job mm. for 70 years no. nobody nobody um, she met 15 different prime min- British prime ministers made at least uh, 260 official overseas trips since taking the throne. In 2015, she carried out 341 royal engagements and that was more than Prince Harry, Prince William and Kate combined during that year. I mean, just reading that out makes me <laughs> I feel you so know, exhausted. It's so, but it was it's so fascinating because 
I agree. Like as an event, however one may feel about the monarchy and the institution of the monarchy, just the the fact that someone was a significant figure, um, a royal leader of her country and arguably the Commonwealth, if well, you know, we have a King of Australia now, so she was the Queen of Australia before. That's how our, our system works because we're not a republic. For that long, for her whole life, essentially, really, her whole adult life, um, it's you start to now, I think, unpick, you know, what is British culture and what was just Queen Elizabeth's reign and where does the, where did one reflect the other? Um, and what it what is something that it means to be British and what is something that it means to be a subject of Queen Elizabeth. I, I think all of that's really fascinating and it'll be really interesting to see how things unfold because no one was willing or ready to really agitate or have challenging discussions about the monarchy while she was the head of state, you know, because there was so much respect for the fact that she had that longevity mm -hmm. and there was plenty of problematic things along the way, but she stuck it out. She stayed true to her commitment. And there's something about that sticking to your word, even if it is in an institution that is problematic. Um, that's really admirable. I guess we'll, I, I guess we'll find out more when we watch the, the uh, documentary. I just known finished as the, the last episode. That's why I'm so well informed. <laughs> <laughs> and I've watched the Harry and Meek and, first three episodes so I'm basically a royal correspondent at this point <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move into um our industry mm. the world of communications marketing um dare I say advertising and favorite campaign externally and then I'm going to ask you about your favorite campaign that we yeah, did great. this year my favorite campaign externally has got to be the Mona worst reviews campaign it was quite so quite early good. in the year so good actually had to go was yeah. that this year uh, <laughs> but so clever because one of the things i absolutely love that our industry does is take something that should be the opposite of good and flip it on its head and it actually is great because it's different and because it's the opposite of what everybody thinks would have worked or thinks would have been the right thing to do so essentially the concept was that they looked um, instead of thinking about all the things that are great, that's great about Mona, which is of course the Museum of Old and New Art in uh, Tasmania, they thought instead of just banging on about the stuff that people like about us, let's have a look at our worst reviews where people give us one star uh, and say really negative things about Mona because those people are never going to be our people anyway. Um, so wouldn't it be really funny to do like, and it was beautifully shot, cinematic, um, and they put actors against the the review copy as though it was the individual giving the feedback. Um, and it was so, so, so funny, deadpan delivery, um, shot like a like the piano. It looked like the movie The Piano. It was so beautifully shot. Uh, and it went, went so, so well and went gangbusters. And, you know, I think one thing that advertising and creatives are always looking for is the earned attention, um, you know, of our realm of the Marcoms mix. And they certainly got a lot of earned attention as well as, you know, the media buy that they use to get it in front of um, as many people as possible. So that's my standout for the year. Yeah, how great is it? Like, I hate this place. You should, you should yeah. go. You know, it's, it, and the it one was, that was like, was I paid that much money to watch a machine take a dump. 
love it. <laughs> um, just quickly, because I know we've got a lot to get through. Um, mine was um, I judged the Echo Awards. This year, Echo is the international uh, um, international network that we belong to. We're one of 35 agencies in 40 countries. Um, and our South African um, partners entered an award, entered an entry, rebag, reuse. And it was about collecting plastic bags from bread and then crocheting them into um, shopping bags. Beautiful. Like they've made the most beautiful products out of these shopping bags. It's not only taking plastics out of the environment, you know, off, off the beaches and wherever else and off the streets, um, they're actually raising money for um, less unfortunate people in, in um, around Cape Town too. So it, it's a beautiful campaign and we'll put the, the links to these campaigns in the, in the show notes. Um, just quickly, favourite campaign f- that we did this year? Well, you know, we try not to play favourites, <laughs> but maybe because I can't think back more than a couple of months at this point. Uh, but no, I think a real highlight for me this year was a campaign we did with an organisation called Family of League. So it was established 20 years ago by some ex-rugby league greats uh, and it was established to support ex-players. At the time, the game wasn't particularly professional and it didn't support people beyond, um, you know, the gig on the field. Uh, But then it evolved over time, over the last 20 years, to support grassroots people in the rugby league community, financially, emotionally and socially, and it um, rebranded and re repositioned itself this year. Uh, it was formerly Men of League and it became Family of League to better represent who it supports and represents uh, within its community. So they're a pretty powerful organisation. They've donated over $10 million in financial support and 10,000 hours of volunteer service um, and social support in its 20 year history. So I found it incredibly rewarding to work with you know a member six and a half thousand members, 39 committees. Um, it's really lovely doing work with an organisation that does such great good. Yeah, great. Um, like you said, you know, we're not supposed to pick favourites. And I said, like all good parents, I don't have a favourite. <laughs> um, I think the team's done amazing work this year. Um, I did love just recently how we dominated the news cycle with the President Obama announcement that he's coming to Australia. Um, we also had um, Nestle's 10 million trees that they're planting and, of course, the family of league. Like we absolutely blitzed uh, the news coverage over a couple of weeks actually. So I really that good. I love that. I want to keep that going in 2023. <laughs> um, biggest fail just quickly from 2022 from the communications oh, perspective. ScoMo. It has to be ScoMo trying to scare a bunch of people into last-minute voting for the Liberal Party with a text message saying that they turned a border a boat back, that Border Force had turned a boat back. It's been found to be a direct request from the PM's office and um, completely inappropriate. I think there's a, um, in the a, final hours of election day, a lot day. of communications fails from our ex-Prime Minister. Yeah, and and that one was just another yeah. one that really was quite unethical as yeah. well. Um, I I say Optus, and I think it's going to be a case study at universities Mm. um, in years Mm. to come. I'm not going to rehash over it, but, oh, my God, what a disaster it was in terms of um, a communications crisis plan. Uh, Lessons learnt by the industry this year, Fry, and what the the comms world will do differently next year. Yeah, well, I mean, Optus put put a bit of a... uh 
scaring everybody. Uh, I think, you know, most of us know what we should be doing. Probably everybody let things lapse a little bit during the COVID years. Um, I think every business under the sun has done some form of crisis and risk assessment and scenario planning in Q4 after being terrified by what happened. Um, but in terms of like lessons learned in the next, you know, everybody's talking about sustainability and ESG, but the rubber's really going to hit the road because um, standardised reporting mechanisms going to come in, legislation, there's going to be um, bigger and bigger fines hand out to businesses who are greenwashing or making unsubstantiated claims. So I think we're going to start seeing this market behave like the EU and report on environmental, social governance issues in the same way they report on finance. Yeah, I agree. I think that's um, it's going to be big next year and um, we'll be ready for it. So now we're going to have a little chat to our group account director, Victoria, who's based in the Blue Mountains. So um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That's, that's really important to this conversation. <laughs> But hey, V, welcome to the Impact Insights. Hi, both. Good to be here. It looks nice up there. Francis, would you like to ask Victoria a couple of questions? Sure. Sure. So we're going to do a quick fire wrap on your highlights for the year, starting with what was your standout news item from this year and why? Look, I'm going to pick a recent one. Uh, and as an mm. unapologetic feminist and disco lover, I was really thrilled to see Julia Gillard's 2012 misogyny speech being added to the Sounds of Australia Registry and staying alive by the Bee Gees. Both things make me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think of equal importance to our culture, arguably. Absolutely. Um, look, in terms of the, the speech, uh, you know, it's taken, you know, 10 years um, for it to really be given the recognition that it deserved. Um, and I hope that it's actually going to be a, a good driver of change. It's been a year of many different conversations involving women, um, but I was really pleased to see in particular over the last few days, um, the industry coming out very strongly against poor behavior. Um, we saw with Chris Smith, um, his woeful Christmas party behavior towards women, um, you know, being very clearly uh, denounced by his peers, uh, which I feel is a, a strong indicator of change and I hope it continues next year. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to feel that that change is actually starting to take hold. It's a nice way to end the year too, isn't it? Not not mm. not the abuse, but the the speech being put into the sound. Figured, figured you meant that. So then we want to get you know industry specific and think about what uh, your favourite campaign or standout campaign of the year was um, externally, and then what your favourite one was for us at Impact? Yeah, look, I've predominantly worked in the corporate team for, you know, most of my PR career. I have a, a secret, secret love of a big PR stunt. I just love them. Um, and we haven't had any for a really long a time. A bog snorkel, perhaps? <laughs> so back in May, um, you know, when things started opening back up again, uh, Tourism Iceland were looking at ways that they could attract people um, back there. I've been to Iceland. I love it. Um, so this, you know, instantly resonated with me. Um, but they did, you know, one thing that we would love doing here at Impact, we love using a good insight and then building a campaign around it. They found out that people hate when they're on holiday having to keep an eye on emails and monitor them. So they um, 
they came up with a campaign called Outhorse Your Email. Not outsource, outhorse. In Iceland, there are lots of little lovely ponies running around. And um, <laughs> this campaign allowed you to choose from three specially trained Icelandic horses um, who would craft replies for your emails while you're on holidays. So no more boring out-of-office <laughs> messages needed and no need to keep an eye on your emails. Uh, you can just let the ponies do their job. Um, there were three different ponies to choose from. One who types fast but might take a nap. Another one was assertive and efficient. And the last horse, which was my personal favourite, um, was friendly and trained in corporate buzzwords, which I thought would be a very helpful <laughs> item to have. Uh, That's hilarious. I, assertive and efficient. That horse sounds like my spirit animal. <laughs> I love it. But, like, it's it's a bit of a silly and fun campaign. And, like, they actually built yeah. a giant keyboard and filmed this pony trotting across it which is hilarious but the whole point of the campaign is to get you to visit their landing page pop your email in so they can start communicating with you and sending you those beautiful photographs of Iceland um, and also it was just so fun and quirky it was perfect um, water cooler fodder loads of different news outlets covered it including some really bizarre ones here in Australia like government news um, it really <laughs> got a lot, great lot of pickup um, and it made me giggle so for me that, that's a winner hilarious oh that's a great one and what about closer to home here in Oz in our team what's been your standout or favorite piece of work this year uh this one will really resonate with Nicole because we worked really closely on it together but we did a really wonderful enriched program with Merlin uh, Merlin make garage door openers and accessories um and they've moved into the world of gates. They're really passionate about safety. Um, so we did a big piece of research um, in partnership with Chris White, who's our behavioural consultant, um, to really understand what safety means to Australians um, in their home. Uh, there was a lot that we already knew. Uh, we knew that safety you know, meant feeling assured. It meant feeling like you were in control of your home. But the research actually revealed two new areas that we could claim ownership of, and they were freedom, um, that when you're when you feel safe, um, you can be relaxed and you can enjoy where you are, and contribution that how you treat safety can impact those around you, um, and they were really important insights for us. And they're not just going to inform our campaigns moving forward from a communications point of view, but they're also going to help steer how Mellon's customers will see and interact with the brand in the future. And I'm really excited about that type of work. Um, really makes me look forward to next year and what we can achieve with them. So that's definitely yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was such a great campaign so good. And, and more to come from it. Great. And now we get to the fun bit. Uh, your biggest <laughs> fail and then what you think the lessons learned or the predictions are for next year for our industry. Look, I think in terms of biggest fails, for me, I, I could just couldn't get past the bomb rebrand. Hang on, hang on. I really don't, I don't know. know. The, the Bureau. The Bureau. <laughs> the Bureau. <laughs> It's just um, $220,000 blown away in, a, a you know, one of those, the flash of a, a Sydney thunderstorm in the afternoon. Um, look, it just, uh, I think it went wrong, you know, from them thinking that you get to choose your nickname. You don't. I think all Australians know this. Um, but also, like, the way they decided to approach it in sending out a really stiff and formal and serious um, media alert demanding that news houses update their um, style guides and style guides. I'm telling them that you know <laughs> they must refer to the Bureau of Meteorology first and then refer to it as the Bureau. Uh, you know it was done in a way that seemed um, you know dominating and controlling. Um, mm. And then the second part was that they just didn't have their house in order. They hadn't locked down you know Twitter handles, so people immediately. <laughs> 
took control of that and then started having an awful lot of fun at their expense. So, you know, I think that there are, there's a lot to learn here in understanding your audience. Um, the app in understanding, says you know, The app. You go onto the app. The, the app say POM. <laughs> and we're all really fond of it, aren't we? It's part yeah. of our vernacular. We, uh, yeah. It's how we drop it in a conversation. So for me, you know, that's a clear one. I think they and did they're some so good work. beloved and they really rubbed everybody the wrong way. <laughs> they did. I think they've done some good work to repair the damage. Um, you know, I noticed mm. they've, they've had several of the weather hosts um, on to come into the Bureau um, and do live weather crosses from there just to show the important work they do and remind everybody that we still do love them. Um, so they'll recover mm. from this. But, but they uh, came out quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, it was I apologise too, didn't they? <laughs> did they? They did. They came out they quite did. quickly. Yeah, because yeah, there was a backlash from their own <laughs> staff. It yeah. then had the knock-on effect of finding out that the culture was a nightmare too. But anyway, big fail. We're keeping the bomb. Uh, so what about next year any any big lesson or anything that you see coming coming in 2023 yeah look i think what we might see a big change on is the use of data and evidence-based communications we've i think gone through the last couple of years um you know data fatigue was very real during, during the pandemic we had um numbers coming out of our ears um there's lots of trends uh and discussions that we've had over the last 12 months um in relation to the way we're living and working um, that have been very anecdotal and based on human experience. But I think we're going to need to see a bit of a, you know, a bit of proof come into our conversations. I think we're going to need some data to talk about some of the things that we're experiencing, in particular, um, you know, trends in the workplace, hybrid work, borderless work. Um, they've all been great discussion points about what could be possible, but now people want to see the proof because we've actually been living it for a while. Mm, yeah, nice. I like that. Love me a bit of data. <laughs> well, thank you so much, V. Great perspectives and insights as always. Love the global as angles. Always. <laughs> and well, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, so now I think we're going to say bye bye to you and invite our next guest bye, into v. our room. <laughs> bye. <See ya. laughs> well, as we wave goodbye to Victoria in the Blue Mountains, we say hello to Haley. Hello, Haley, our content director. How are you? Hi, Hale. Good. How are you? Yeah, great. Hi. Um, so we've just had a bit of a chat to Victoria about what were our favourite things from our industry this year and what we think the um, lessons are learnt from this year and what the big things are going to be for next year. So we thought we'd have a chat to you about it as well. So can I ask you a few questions? Absolutely. Um, standout news item from 2022. Look, there are a lot to choose from, but for me it was uh, the FIFA World Cup in Qatar um it was just a shambles let's be honest um i think that for me it was one of those opportunities where it could have been in a different country or handled differently or both of those things a very different scenario where post-covid people are very keen to get together and celebrate um the world cup does tend to bring people who aren't traditionally soccer slash football fans into the sport to you know a bit of um, bit of camaraderie happening, um, and it was horrible. Yeah, it certainly was on so on so many levels. Um, Fry, you shared something with me on LinkedIn during the week around. Did I? <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> Companies that came out to say that they were in support of the LBG to oh, yeah, plus community, but then you know we they... talk. I think they call it rainbow washing yeah. in the same way that we referred to green washing earlier, where brands who 
actively participate in Pride Month and or the Mardi Gras um, and, you know, make their logo rainbow or, or, or do things like that have, um, there was a number of brands, which I will not name, but, you know, household brands mm. that also then uh, were major sponsors of the World Cup. And it felt very, very much in contradiction because you can't possibly be supportive of the LGBTQI plus community um, and also a sponsor of Qatar yeah, as the absolutely. host of the World Cup. And I think it really, it just really tested the the metal, the moral metal of, of sports people and different brands as, um, I mean, having David Beckham has really lost a lot of face here. Um, he had been seen as a supporter of the um, LGBTQI plus community um, and had, you know, had spoken out in support of them, had been on gay mags um, and then to be the ambassador, uh, particularly as, when Qatar won the World Cup back in 2011, um, or the right to host, rather, he said he felt sick, that England had lost out and that it felt rigged. Um, so to then turn around 11 years later and be a brand ambassador um, is... As long as he's in on the rig and gets money <laughs> yeah. from it, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you saw, you know, on the other side of things, it was really interesting to see people stand up in ways that were really quite dangerous. You know, the, the Iranian team not singing the national anthem, um, which, mm. you know, puts them in personal danger. Uh, the German team covering their, their mouths in a team photo. The Welsh team displaying, displaying their rainbow flag in their training base. Um, England players taking a knee. I mean, this is, I would say, the first time in a long time that we've seen people around the world, sports players really starting to step up. And we're seeing it in a lot of different arenas but actually having you know taking a stand and it's not something I think that we've expected from sports players until maybe the last couple of years mm. yeah mm. awesome um favorite campaign for the for the year that, that wasn't one of our campaigns look I've got to say when times are tough Aldi Aldi um shine the quirky um, Aldi th- they are very quirky and they've you know they've managed so different. To, to exactly and they've managed to make um cheap cool which is mm-hmm. um is a tricky thing to do um and the idea that you can you know kind of splurge by you know you can't overcook Christmas and yet save and with some very fun campaigns that just go completely over the top while you know belying the fact that you know their prices aren't over the top I think is has set them up really nicely as a very strong rival to Coles and Woolies. That's um, the stunt granny, isn't it, that does the thing roll yeah, up the roof? Yeah, yeah. And the, the last prawn, the last <laughs> yeah, prawn yeah, on the plate. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah. So it had relatable elements um, while being completely over the top, which yeah. I think, you know, it, it spoke to me certainly and I think we're seeing them, uh, their positioning has been very so, carefully played out over the years. They're so consistent, aren't they? Mm. It's a, yeah, it's a great brand. Um, what about favourite campaign you've worked on with Impact this year? Look, I can't claim it because it was just before I started, but I will say that it was one of the reasons I wanted to start here was um, Modi Body's campaign with uh, about masturbation and sex on your period for World Orgasm Day. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a taboo topic. It can be quite contentious. Um, you know, many of us still like to pretend that women don't get periods and God forbid they do anything sexual at all. Um, and I think, you know, the celebration of of women's pleasure at any time of the month is a really important thing to be talking about um, and to be working on something that, that breaks taboos and um, 
and celebrates, you know, the natural workings of women's bodies is something I can, I, it's oh. wonderful to be behind. Hee hee. Bloody awesome. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Um, sorry, I don't mean to be rushing, but this is going to be the longest podcast we have ever done. <laughs> it's probably going to be the longest podcast in the history of podcasts. It's um, all right. People because... can listen to it while they're like cooking Christmas meals <laughs> and right. doing some gardening. And singing jingle bells at the same time. Um, <laughs> so what about the biggest communications fail from this year? Look, I'm sure that uh... – the Optus Crisis Comms were an absolute shambles as well. I won't go into it too far because I'm sure that many other people will. It's fairly obvious yeah. why the uh, why that failed, that it's not our fault <laughs> or sorry, not sorry, <laughs> kind of just doesn't fly anymore. Um, or but, or I, I was affected too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but also Centering themselves. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, just ridiculous. Um, but interestingly also the sports bets, yeah, nah, campaign which it just fell so flat in that you know coming out and pretending to have a stance to just say yeah not a guitar but also still continue to support the sport well the you know the betting of the sport and by proxy the fifa world cup and guitar by betting it just did not fly whatsoever um and that you know it really shows how you can't you can't straddle both sides of the fence without just getting a massive mm. wedgie <laughs> yeah, well said <laughs> Uh, okay, what about um, lessons learned by our industry this year and what do you think the commerce world are going to, is going to do differently next year? I'd say overall it's two key things, which is, and they're both they're very close to, to each other, which is transparency and authenticity. Um, with, you know, social issues, we talk about guitar, with it, sustainability and greenwashing, sports washing, it's really decide what the key values of your brand are and stick to them which means not jumping on a bandwagon unless you've thought through very carefully the full ramifications of that. Um, and, you know, if you're not all the way there when it comes to sustainability, own it and be honest about it because you'll get found out regardless. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Well said. Yeah, well said, Hayley. Um, and glad you're part of our team, Hayley. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> See you later. See ya. Bye. Hello, Lucia. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Fry, for inviting me on. I invited you too. It is. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> 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 Well, I'm going to say that your tree looks beautiful in the background there. Thank you very much. Absolutely gorgeous. Christmas tree, of course. And um, we're going to kick off and we're going to talk about news. We're going to talk about campaigns and your thoughts for next year. So let's start with what was your standout news item for 2022 and why? My standout news item for 2022 was President Zelensky um, and how, as a leader, he responded during the war in uh, Ukraine. Um he has leaded with such empathy, um, with honesty, um, and that's something really rarely seen in political leaders. Um, so for him to really be able to lead his country um, through the horrific time that they have been going through, are still going through, um, for me has really been fantastic. Um, there's a new... Um, Pod, not podcast, is there's a new uh, interview on Netflix with David Letterman and it's so true and genuine and he really makes a lot of bold statements in that, you know, saying that Putin stole the childhood from our children, which is so incredibly mm. true and so incredibly sad. So um, for me, just how he has managed everything over the past year, um, particularly the last, you know, six to nine months um, has really just been incredible. 
Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's worth watching that. It's David Letterman's My Next Guest Is. I think it's what it's called. Is it on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so let's move over to our industry. What was your favourite campaign externally, that not an impact one, yeah. but that somebody else did? Um, I'll bring it all the way back to January of this year. Um, Holy dooly. <laughs> it seems like forever ago. Um, but for me, it's the Summer Lamb campaign. Um, at the start of this year, that campaign, it's always worth talking about every year. Um, it's always, they always build such a strong campaign that's topical, that's thought provoking. Um, and this year really reflected upon how Australia was so isolated from other nations, from other states, um, during the pandemic. Um, and it's real sort of tongue in cheek story, um, about the borders being shut, but the ultimate message being around bringing people together. Um, for me at that time of year was just such a standout campaign that really sort of elevated everyone's spirits, I think, at the beginning of the year and hopefully help people think, we can do this, we can get through this. Aren't they just so incredibly clever? I just, I'm every year just absolutely delighted with where they go and think, yeah. how did you even think of that? And also hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I agree. It was really fun. And what about for us? What about for impact? Oh, for impact, it's definitely got to be the um, family of league rebrand. Um, such snap, an snap, snap. <laughs> yeah, that was mine too. <laughs> um, such an incredible organisation to be a part of, um, not only from an internal perspective to having to, you know, um, tell that story and transition uh, messaging to an internal network, to stakeholders, to partners, um, but more broadly from a media perspective as well. Um, through plenty of conversations I had with media, it was really um, wonderful feedback, really commenting on how fantastic it was that um, they were going through um, this change um, and headlines showing that it was some of, it was the most important change in foodie history. Um, that was absolutely incredible to be part of. Absolutely. Hee hee. I like how you say foodie. <laughs> foodie. <laughs> All right, footy. 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 <laughs> Not right. My Aussie, Aussie accent isn't very good. <laughs> it's delightful. We're, we're, we're working on it, Lucia. <laughs> and to wrap up our little chat with you, Lucia, we'd love to know what's your big communications fail for 2022 and what do you think are the lessons learned and all your predictions for 2023? Um, biggest uh, comms fail of the year, without a doubt, is the takeover of Twitter. Um particularly across the corporate team and the corporate sector. Um, we've talked a lot over the past couple of months about this idea of um, the deconstruction of Silicon Valley. Um, and we really think, I think this is going to happen across Twitter, um, really due to the fact of how um, our chief twit really behaves um, and what he's really putting out there. So, um, yeah, for me, absolute fail. Absolutely. I I have to say, I've had plenty of schadenfreude going on in the last few months watching that all fall apart. Uh, and yeah, what about next year? What are your thoughts? Next year, um, I really think we're going to see more data and insights being used from a communications perspective. Um, we really had a lot of data fatigue in the past two years because of the pandemic. It's always sort of seen whether we turned on the TV or we read an article um, was numbers. Um, so I think 
in the year ahead, we will really see um, organizations, media, um, really utilizing numbers again, reevaluating data on really what it means um, for our stories and our life moving forward. Mm, yeah, Victoria was definitely saying the same things and I have to agree. So thank you so much, Lucia. <laughs> thank you very much. Goodbye. Ciao. Bye. Bye. That was the end of part one of our podcast from the Impact Insights. We hope you tune in again for part two.